Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. This week, I chatted with Dana and Hamish Cameron about their game, Dinosaur Princesses. Dinosaur Princesses is a unique system with a very specific gameplay experience in mind. Inspired by kids, this all-ages game relies on creativity and cooperation to overcome obstacles and tell a good story. We talk a lot about the mechanical choices that support achieving this goal, from handling stats and dice pools to the creative components like drawing your character. The result is a cooperative Saturday morning cartoon which allows for some really diverse gameplay. Let's get to the show! Hey there, heroes. I am joined this week by Dana and Hamish Cameron to talk about their game, Dinosaur Princesses. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi, how's, how's it going? going? <laughs> Good. I'm so glad you're here. For heroes who don't know you, aren't familiar with you, do you want to introduce yourselves a little bit, some projects you've worked on or places people might know you from? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm Hamish, and you, you might know me from The Sprawl. That's my, that's my big game. Um, the cyberpunk powered by the apocalypse. Uh, mm. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that was such a short introduction for yourself. You you do so much more. But um, anyway, I'm Dana. I use she, they. And well, I, I'm only kind of new into the game design scene, but I've written some cyberpunk trans felinism pieces for The Sprawl and for The Veil by Fraser Simmons. Simons? Yeah. And so this uh, is kind of the next thing I've kind of been helping on. I'm doing more and more kind of layout and editing and more of the kind of back end usually stuff. So, What is trans felinism? <laughs> uh, trans felinism is a term I coined that isn't might not necessarily be 100% correct, but I am exploring that side on cyberpunk of like transhumanism, right? The question, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be human and, and all those fun uh, squishy bits, which are my favorite parts of cyberpunk. But I'm using cats to talk about that um, because I'm a cat person and my goal is to put cats in people's games. Uh, like and that's that a goal. threat, not an offer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone out there has a game and it doesn't have cats in it currently and you want cats in it, then you can um, you can get in touch with Dana and she will put cats in it. Yeah, or um, if I have free time and I see a game that needs cats, I'll just, just, you just put cats in there. Yeah, pretty like much. Gorilla catting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, That's good. It's good to have a goal, a, a focused purpose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I like doing that to games with magical girls. If they're not in the game already, I will make it about magical girls. So. Which is appropriate. That is, that is also yeah. Great. Magical cat girls. Oh, there you go. It's oh, a perfect I'll take, game. I'll take, what is it? Um. What is Senda's game feelings? Love, love, and, love, and, justice. love and justice. Yeah. Love and justice. But I could put a cat skin over it, and it would be like Luna and Artemis, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. It would be like oh. cats and not caring. <laughs> no, cats can get really... You need to watch Sailor Moon, because like <laughs> Luna and Artemis mm -hmm. and Diana all care a lot. Yeah. They transform into magical girls as well, actually. Mm -hmm. and, some of the things. Anyway, this is uh, a <laughs> side project now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. <laughs> um, excellent. So we are going to talk about not cats necessarily, but dinosaur princesses who <laughs> could maybe also be cats, but we'll get there. So what is the pitch for Dinosaur Princesses, the short version of what this game is? Dinosaur Princesses is a game about cooperation among friends, telling stories where you solve problems together. I feel like that didn't come out. No, normally so, I say yeah. 
It's a rules light, story heavy story game for all ages about friendship and cooperation in which you are friends who are princesses who are no all this pressure okay dinosaur princesses is a game where you are friends who are dinosaurs who are princesses solving problems together that's the way i was supposed to say it yeah you always emphasize the 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 dinosaurs who are princesses and the character aspect and i usually emphasize the cooperation and the um the problem solving aspects. Yeah. Although in reality, when we both do it right, we both, infl- we both bring both of them in, but <laughs> it's one <laughs> yeah. of those days. Yeah, that's what makes a good team. You both have something to bring to this game. Yeah. Slow motion. High five. <laughs> cool. So it sounds like this game is a lot of very specific and interesting and different things all at once. So I'm, I'm very excited to figure out how all of this works together. So how did it start? Uh, I have a couple of, um, I have some good friends back in New Zealand and they have a pair of children who, whose favorite things are dinosaurs and princesses respectively, but also <laughs> kind of interchangeably. It's they're, they're mm-hmm. those kind of like siblings who are close that they like the same things and each one of them likes the other one more than the other. Right. Simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, it's very cute. But anyway, their favorite things were dinosaurs and princesses. And so I was talking with their parents who are gamers. Um, and yeah, they uh, just said, I'll write that game. <laughs> and so I did write that game and it, it turned out pretty well, I think. So I like um, it. yeah, you like it. Lots of people like it. Every time we put it out on the table and or even every time we pitch it, let alone play it, people are like, Ooh, dinosaur princesses. That sounds great. <laughs> Uh, and then when mm-hmm. they play it, it, they they still leave the table afterwards going, that was great. Yeah. Uh, so it is um, it is as good an experience as it sounds like it should be. Uh, oh, good. That's the experience you want people to have. Right, exactly. And it's not heavy. It's it's a short game. Mm-hmm. plays in one to two hours. Uh, you could play it over multiple sessions, but it would be sort of like a Saturday morning cartoon type thing where mm-hmm. there's not necessarily any character advancement. Uh, and you might play with totally different characters or you could play with the same characters. Uh, but you just have a bunch of like interesting and kind of cool characters, like fun dinosaur princesses doing kind of solving low key problems with your, with your friends. Like somebody stole the, the queen's teacup and they need it for the party. That kind of thing. Like the world is not usually at stake, although it can be if you want to go that way. Oh, cool. So you knew you needed to have dinosaurs and princesses. What else was important to you when you started making this game? Uh, so I had a lot of conversations with my friends and they really wanted the game to be kind of a useful teaching thing for their kids as well. Like to have good, like just, what's a, what's a word for it? Like good, like a game that was a, they, they really wanted to have a game that was about things like cooperation and problem solving. And so those, those were part of the design goal from the very beginning that, mm. I wanted the game. It's not a game about like running through a dungeon, hitting stuff or anything like that. It's a game about cooperating with your friends to solve problems that you can maybe solve on your own, but can't necessarily. Uh, and it definitely comes out of their experience as like new parents and having to deal with a couple of siblings. Uh, and I don't have that experience from that angle myself, but I had a sister. Uh, and so I know kind of how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they 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 were the first playtesters actually. It was oh yeah, the four of them and uh, one other friend of mutual friend of all of ours. I don't remember who ran the game. 
but yeah, they they played it, and it was it was it's, it's weird actually because usually you play the game yourself, right, and mm-hmm. test it yourself, and then you get it prepared, and then you do external playtesting. The first playtest was an external playtest. Um, they did. <laughs> that's a way to do it. Yeah, and they told me, and, and it worked perfectly. They, they, oh, nice! And you're done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some iterations because it wasn't like it needed to be. It still needed to be cleaned up, but it worked. So maybe not perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it certainly worked sufficiently. Uh, and yeah, now the now the rules are just sort of a lot. Uh, I'm a lot smoother and more and not coherent either. What's the word? Elegant. Yeah, they're just written cohesive. better. They're just yeah. written better. <laughs> they're more um, approachable, maybe, actually, as well. Yeah, they are. that's yeah. Because mm-hmm. it started off as so many of both of our, our game designs do, actually, with a kind of, like, procedural list format mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then you work out, like, what happens at each step in a kind of very formulaic way mm-hmm. and then then work out how that reads to somebody who doesn't want to read a list but wants to read, like, a kind of more engaging set of prose rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked a little bit in the emails too. This uh, ultimately is its own unique system, but you mentioned you kind of played with it with the rules set in other systems. Yeah. What was, yeah. What was that like? Yeah. Um, so I, because I had this conversation and I'd worked sort of, I've worked out sort of what the, what the basic mechanic was. And that was solid from the beginning. There were some tweaks on exactly how, Mostly how the paleontologist, which is the GM role, mostly how that worked. <laughs> um, that's most of the, the sort of changes from that first version. But I, because I knew roughly how it, how I wanted it to work, I wanted to play around with it to see if I could do it, make it do something else. So I worked out those rules pretty closely before Game Chef. And so I actually mm-hmm. used Game Chef as a kind of like test run to make a game with the same, kind of the same basic mechanic just to see how it went, right, and get some feedback from people without getting feedback on the actual game that I wanted to design. Um, oh, yeah, like sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky little uh, <laughs> using game shift for my own purposes, um, mm-hmm. which I encourage people to do. Like if you have a design yeah. that you, and, and you just want to play around with it, like, yeah, play around with it in a week and then get some feedback and game shift is great. And get, you can read a lot of other cool games as well. Mm-hmm. Another sort of, way that you used kind of another rule system to tweak into dinosaur princesses is, I mean, kind of the PBTA ethos of having the players have a lot of agency and a lot of control over the world. So the world in dinosaur princesses is built by asking the dinosaur princesses questions about like, where do they live? Do they go to school? What does their bedroom look like? Da, 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 which, and that's how you create the world. That's how you kind of give flavor to the dinosaur princesses. And it also usually sets up the problem. The problem usually mm-hmm. falls out of kind of the world building stage. So that's like a really, it's not a specific, I guess, rule mechanic, but it's a type of storytelling. Yeah. It's like a, it's a design ethos, I would say, mm-hmm. right. That kind mm-hmm. of, and I feel like most of my designs are basically predicated on the fact that I am, I have limited time and I don't want to have mm-hmm. to do a lot of prep. Um, and so if I can come yeah. to a table with like a strong idea of something, and not have to put in a lot of time to like organize it beforehand, but then the game will help me bring the people together who are there to have a, a satisfying experience and also to tap into the creative energy of everybody else at the table. Cause it's one thing to be the GM and have this fantastic idea for a story and sort of lead everyone through your world. And that's great. And if you like that, great. Um, and I like doing that sometimes, 
but mm-hmm. there are four, like three to, there are three to five other people at the table who also have fantastic ideas. And I generally want to incorporate as many of those as possible into whatever play is happening at mm-hmm. any table that I'm at. And so I sort of yeah. intentionally design my games in that way, trying to give structure to the creativity of everybody so that everybody can contribute in a meaningful way and see their ideas sort of like in this, this wonderful, like delicious stew of gaming, I guess. <laughs> well, and, yeah. Yeah, and Dinosaur Princesses is more basically a no prep game. You really, aside from like having the character sheets to hand out to people and bringing a big box of crayons or colored pencils mm-hmm. as a like game facilitator, you don't have to do anything ahead of time because everything's built up of what the dinosaur princesses do. You might have a couple like small backup, like sentence or two of like, you can fall back on if something mm-hmm. doesn't quite go the way that it, you want it to go or you mm-hmm. run out, you need a inspirational like prompt or whatever, but you don't, yeah, you don't have to do any prior prep. Yeah, technically the paleontologist brings the problem to the table, but you've found certainly in running it a lot that the initial conversations between the players as they get into their cool dinosaur princesses and how they live their lives presents a problem which you can then riff on, right? Exactly. I think there's only been one time where I have kind of inserted my own problem in there, which was still tied within the world they built. And Mm -hmm. that was the time when I was running it for six players and... Mm-hmm. Um, someone, two of the players had to leave who were the main people who wanted to play it. So I ran it for six players in about 40 minutes. So I had to like really speed things up and I, I couldn't, so I just fell back on something I already knew as opposed to trying to right. tie in more. And it's, it's probably worth noting that this is the first game that Dana has ever run. Yeah. Uh, I was always adamantly against GMing games. I don't, I don't like it. Um, I'm, it terrifies me. Um, but Dinosaur Prince is so much fun and I kind of wanted to play it more, especially the more I was working on it that I was like, I'm going to try running it. And because you don't have to do prep for it, it takes a lot of the pressure off. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to run any other games, but I'll, I'll run Dinosaur Princesses. <laughs> so as far as oh, I'm cool. concerned, Dinosaur Princesses is already like a total runaway success because I hear that, and I haven't heard them heard them yet, but I hear that the, the kids that the game was is written for made some alarmingly cute noises when they saw the Kickstarter. Uh, and so that's like big check mark there. And also oh. it got Dana to run the game. And so big check mark there. So everything else is just gravy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Perfect game. You did it. Accomplished. <laughs> yeah, really? Oh, that's a different game. Um, <laughs> but I do love that there's such a, a, such a trend in games for a while, I think now that, that they are very, that there's a lot of low prep games, mm-hmm. low to no prep kind of story games that it just makes life so much easier for everybody. You know, if you're not stressing out and prepping for hours and hours and hours before your game mm-hmm. and everybody can enjoy it and it helps buy in mm-hmm. if, if you're collaborating on the world. But it sounds like also there's the added bonus of you're getting everybody used to cooperation at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big part of the problem solving. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. I, and uh, I, I mean, I think it's really because there were, well, I mean, as, as the bulk, I guess, maybe of people who started gaming in like maybe the eighties and nineties left college, <laughs> like, and mm-hmm. big bubble of adults who need, if they want to play a game, it, they, it can't be high prep. And it can't be long time. either. It yeah. Needs to be you've shorter. got to fit it into a relatively short amount of time because you have all these other life breaches. Um, mm-hmm. that's like kids or job or travel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. And that's a nice thing about dinosaur princesses too, that you kind of mentioned earlier is that it's basic. It's a very satisfying quick one shot, which is nice when you're 
playing at a con and you don't have a ton of time or a ton of bandwidth to like play a whole bunch mm-hmm. of big games or when you're trying to organize with friends and everyone has 30 different schedules. Oh, um, yeah. And so, and so the fact that you can play like, cause I often find like when I play a lot of other one shots for games that aren't designed to be one shots, you often feel a little dissatisfied, feel a bit rushed kind of are like, mm-hmm. oh, you could do more, but that's it. Whereas Dice of Princesses, you get a very nice, complete, satisfying story. Awesome. Do you find uh, as you're playtesting, do you run mostly for other adults or for kids or for a mix of both? I have only run for adults. So, and, and I think, and I've only played with adults when I played it before I started running it. And I've always find that incredibly satisfying experience. I think it's a lot of fun seeing people kind of relax and touch into that kind of like imagination that is kind of weird and boundless and might not make sense, but you don't care because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and having been able to relax and do that, which is kind of hard in general, but also even a lot of games where you're trying to like impress people with being cool mm-hmm. and, and, and worried about like embarrassing yourself by saying something, you know, weird or whatever. So like, I find that that's really fun. I think, some other people though have run it for kids and play tests with kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been lots of um, lots of play tests with kids. Uh, most of mine have also been with adults, mm-hmm. uh, but there've been mixed tables as well. Um, the very mm-hmm. first one was a mixed table of three adults and a four-year-old and a six-year-old, <laughs> and it's been run at cons. There were some photos on Twitter of one of the sessions at the sort of kids games on demand section of Strategicon in Los Angeles. We had, uh, one of my friends ran it for a table of, I think, eight-year-olds, maybe? yeah, eight to 12 year olds. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They had a lot of fun. Yeah. And I know one of my friends, her partner teaches fifth graders and he's going to be running it um, for some of his kids too. Oh, okay. uh, he hasn't done it yet, but he's oh, playing cool. out. They do like an, periodic after school like board game sort of thing for the kids Mm -hmm. and so he's excited to run it for them so nice do you find that you get kind of similar games from like adults versus younger players or or are they kind of different i think they're a little bit they're generally a little different because it it opens up a space for adults where they get to be in a in a way like not childlike, but they get to engage with a type of play that is not the kind of normal thing you do in games because it, it, you could describe it as gonzo sometimes, but that usually has a particular kind of like, like if you play fate and you're playing it in a gonzo style, then it's probably like a ridiculous over the top kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and while this can be, can have that sort of ridiculous and almost like surreal it's mm-hmm. it's in a more constrained way, just but we're not constrained. Well, that, I mean, it's, that's surrealism, kind of in of itself. That surrealism makes sense in its own bubble. Mm-hmm. Like nothing really seems. If you're in a surrealist thing, you're part of a surrealist thing. Nothing seems weird, um, and so it works within that. As opposed mm-hmm. to Gonzo's, like where everything seems weird to everybody. I think mm-hmm. that's how I would think of it. Yeah, and so if you like, if you turn on the TV and watch some cartoon you've never seen before, mm-hmm. chances are there's going to be some unrealistic creature with a weird voice, mm-hmm. like doing wacky things. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that, but that's fine and totally normal. And it's not really, so it, it's not really gone. So although in some ways it kind of is. I mean, I, I ran a game where a pterodactyl had a chainsaw arm and it never seemed weird. <laughs> like yeah, and, and everything. And the thing, and the thing yeah. is like the tone still stayed in the right space. And maybe that's yeah. also what we're getting at. I think it, so like, but with adults, I feel like because it's kind of this somewhat loose imaginative play 
adults, pro- as far as like how it gets played at the table, mm-hmm. my guess would be that with adults at the table, it's probably going to follow the structure a little bit better. Like all the adults are going to kind of help it move through. Whereas I would assume if eight-year-olds are playing it, that the facilitator is going to have to do a little more work. A little, although it's designed stuff. to work with whatever the players like give, because yeah. it is, it is this very sort of like, it's this uh, setting of kind of radical acceptance of the ideas that the players put forth. Mm-hmm. As long as everyone's on the same page, which is, and that page is very, that page mm-hmm. is very broad, I guess, for, uh, for uh, a game yeah. like this. Right. Um, but I think that like kids, they just, kids and adults bring slightly different things to it. Right. Cause you, if an adult is playing a game like this, where they are sort of enabled by the system and the setting and the whole table to play in this kind of way, they're still going to play with some of their adult concerns in mind. Mm-hmm. And so I've certainly noticed that you get more, like, I don't know, you get a lot of play around identity issues. Maybe do you think that's true? Mm. I don't think I've had really identity issues come no. up in my games, but that could just be the games. Well, I guess one of, them, here, I'm categorizing it. one of them, there were some issues around like what is punk and what is art. Uh, yeah. But that like, <laughs> and maybe that's, that's the kind of thing I'm thinking of. Because a kid's game, a game of all eight-year-olds, is not going to have a discussion sort of implicit in the characters about what is punk and what is art. <laughs> but an adult game using the same game system can, right? Yeah. And that can be just a total, sort of totally normal exploration of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's almost like the way a lot of kids' movies or cartoons work on multiple levels. They work on the level for the children who are in the movie theater, and then they work on the level for, level for the adults who are playing who are there with the children, right? Taking them to the movie, right? Cause it has to keep them entertained as well. And in the same way, I think dinosaur princesses can sort of work on both levels just because yeah. if you bring whatever you bring to it, whether it's like a fantastic love of dinosaurs and you also love candy, uh, and, um, uh, other animals are great. And can I have a very big car? Right. Or whether you come with it, I want to explore about punk and art. And, uh, and, and antiquities looting, right? You could do that as well. I don't know. Yeah. That's my long rambling answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool though. I I like that. It works at both that you could have, you could have that discussion about what is punk and and have a very big car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty fun. Is it? Yeah. If there's spikes, there's spikes. Maybe. Mm. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Where you like stuff on the side and, Because it was a Jaguar, that's, it's probably not well, a big car. No, Jaguars, are they a big car? I don't really know cars. Well, I don't know. A tank? I mean, Tank Girl's pretty punk. Tank Girl's pretty Tanks are pretty punk. Yeah, yeah. tanks are pretty punk. But they can also be very not punk. <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Context. Anyway. Context. <laughs> cool. So let's talk about how this game actually works. Mm-hmm. Characters and character creation. Char- uh, players are dinosaur princesses, but also not necessarily dinosaurs or princesses. <laughs> so, how yeah, how does character creation work, and why dinosaur princesses? Aside from the fact that those were explicitly requested by small children, and you can't say no to that. Well, that's basically why. <laughs> no, okay. That works. Well, also dinosaurs are cool, and um, princesses are cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of the characters are princesses. It's just the definition of what is a princess. So, uh-huh. uh, usually the way that works is there's a, you might think of it as like a, like an adjective that modifies the princess. So you can be a, an action princess or a chef princess or a, mm. like mm. aquanaut, an aquanaut princess, right? News anchor. Yeah. News mm-hmm. anchor princess, right? A punk artiste princess. Yeah. 
So it's really about like the, 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 they're all princesses, but not all princesses are the same. Yeah. And just because you're a princess doesn't mean you can't be any number of other like, mm-hmm. cool things yeah. as part of it. And then the dinosaur bit is generally a little bit more, more fixed on dinosaurs. But um, mm-hmm. as you are probably already aware, it's hard to keep cats out of any game that Dana is involved in. <laughs> So the category of dinosaur automatically became a little bit more flexible. <laughs> um, also, I don't think as a principle that the, the game isn't about saying no to whatever the, the kids want to play. Right? Mm-hmm. If, if there's a bunch of children playing it, I don't want, I don't want the 11 year old telling the nine year old that they can't play a cat because the game is, is about dinosaurs and stepping on the nine year old's fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I wanted to take a deliberately kind of inclusive and like, all-encompassing view of what dinosaur and princess meant. Mm-hmm. Um, that also goes for the the fact that princess is not a is not a gendered label in this game. Yeah, um, you can be a princess of any gender. Yeah, we have explicit text about that both on the character sheets where we ask people to choose their uh, their pronoun, and we'll have examples of a variety of pronouns just to help people know that yes, indeed, even though we've said it, that dinosaur princesses can be boys, girls, genderqueer, non-binary, anything in between. And then we also talk about that in the book as well. Mm-hmm. So we kind of make that clear. And the, and and kind of related, like, in the whole bit of, like, dinosaurs aren't always dinosaurs. Like, I like that because every time I kind of explain this to someone and I'm looking at their face, there's this moment where, like, their head, like, and <laughs> their face brightens up and it's like their mind's being blown a little bit and they realize, like, oh, this is a game where – you don't say no to imagination at all. I can, I can do anything I want that I'm not constrained to these boxes and that I can identify how I want to identify with what works for me. And, and although it's just dinosaurs and it sounds all kind of silly, it's, I think a really important thing for like adults and especially kids who are maybe not growing up in places where they've been asked to like break boxes explicitly. I think that's really uh, important and interesting and exciting part that this game does actually. Yeah. I also kind of want, and I haven't never done this, but I kind of want someone to play Thomas the Tank Engine with it, mm-hmm. which you is could. why, which is why the, the dinosaur box explicitly has train. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool. So if you do that tweet at us, yeah, anybody yeah. out there, Definitely. that would be amazing. I want to hear about this. Yep. I see a lot of little train drawings. Mm-hmm. It'd be so good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, okay. So there are, there is, there's drawing and character creation. So how do you make a character? Yeah. So you choose your type of dinosaur and you choose your type of princess. And as we sort of just discussed, those can be, those can be quite open. And there's a lot of the character sheet. has a lot of suggestion um, boxes. suggestions for those um, inspirational lists. Uh, but then there's a box on the character where you can either have a blank one and you can draw in your own dinosaur, draw in your own dinosaur princess, or there's one that has sort of an outline of a dinosaur uh, and you can like give it the the appropriate like, gear. gear with your mm-hmm. color in or drawer or whatever you want um, mm-hmm. the appropriate like paraphernalia that would make your princess recognizable as your princess. And so you do those and you choose some uh, verbal um, tags, just some little are they, what are they all adjectives? Yeah, little adjectives, right? Yeah, yeah. Choose a couple of adjectives for your dinosaur side and your princess side. And there's again, some inspirational lists, um, but you can, you can go beyond those and then you're ready to play. Oh, wow. That's it. 
Yeah, yep, that's it. It's pretty quick. And mm -hmm. and I, I have often found when I run it that people pretty quickly know like what sort of dinosaur they want to be, however they define that, and what sort of princess, but they're not quite sure what they want as their descriptors. Mm -hmm. And so they usually just start drawing mm -hmm. and start coloring. Mm -hmm. uh, and through that, by adding things and stuff like that in there, figure out what mm -hmm. their descriptors are going to be based on the drawing. And I think like the coloring and drawing aspect is is so important to this game. It it really, it's a lot of fun. It lets you kind of be creative in an, in an additional sort of way that kind of sets the tone for the sort of game it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and while you're playing, so you make your characters like that and then the, you'll do some scenes and ask some questions. Uh, and then once you get into solving, uh, once the once the paleontologist identifies the problem, they will draw the problem on a, on a big piece of paper or whatever kind of uh, device you're using in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, whether that, that could be a roll 20 um, screen as well, or like a piece of paper or whatever chalkboard. And then as the dinosaur princesses solve the problem, they draw the things that they're doing onto this map as well. One of the actual original ideas, and it's still going to be in the book, I guess, is that instead of using a character sheet, you just draw your character sheet on the corner of the map. Mm -hmm. And so you end up mm -hmm. with a kind of like artifact at the end that you could put on the fridge or whatever, if you wanted. Mm -hmm depending on how big your fridge is and how big your piece of paper is. <laughs> yeah, I've got some really cool, like, pieces at the end, and I'm like, this is too good to, like, yeah. just put away in in my files, but I don't have room for all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the drawing part was something that wasn't originally in the conception, but I was oh. playing around with the I played around with the drawing part relatively early, but then in playtesting, that was one that definitely became part of the character sheet. Mm -hmm. um, it it was people just had too much fun drawing, mm -hmm. so it was like oh, mm -hmm. this, is, this definitely has to be part of the game then, yeah, uh, because it was really getting into that sort of tapping into that creative side in an interesting way in a way that the way that Dana just mentioned. Yeah, and I usually it's not uncommon to have a couple people at the very beginning who are a little bit nervous about the drawing aspect, but then I think as everyone starts to kind of relax into the tone, it becomes easier because it's like, were you a great artist when you were eight? Probably not. So we're just kind of drawing whatever, like, and I'm a really bad artist. So if I draw anything on the piece of paper, which I sometimes do when I'm playing it, it's like terrible stick figures or whatever. And then everyone relaxes way better because everyone's better than me. And it makes <laughs> and it easier. Your, your art is way better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> like if yours are terrible stick figures, mine are definitely not good. <laughs> well, now you'll get all this practice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it's regardless of like, the technical merit of mm -hmm. the art that people do, it's all fun and it's all good because mm -hmm. when you, when you're just doodling and having fun and showing your imaginative side, mm -hmm. it's all great. So. Yeah. I can't remember if it was, if that part of it was inspired by the quiet year, but I wouldn't surprised if, be surprised if it was because I think I was thinking about the game when the quiet year first came out. Mm -hmm. Um, every old is the quiet year. If you haven't played that, uh, people out there in podcast land you definitely should oh yeah it's very good yeah and that's a fun thing for almost any uh role-playing game i feel like is if you just drop a bunch of crayons in the middle of the table the response that you get is amazing oh yeah and it turns out that all these people that you didn't know were great artists are great artists oh yeah and you're like, <laughs> man that is good can you illustrate my game <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have these characters that we we came up with super quickly that's awesome um i noticed there's no stats there's no numbers involved uh was that always the case yep yep i think so yeah you the way that it works is that you you form a dice pool using 
whether your those adjectives that you defined earlier whether they apply and you take a dice for each one that applies oh okay to like the whatever you're doing yeah yeah and so there's in some ways it's it's kind of like story games training mm-hmm. <laughs> right because <laughs> yep. you you work out how oh how can i make this work how can it be useful that i am tall on the situation mm-hmm. um and part of the rules is like encouraging you to think sort of laterally about that and mm-hmm. and also to pick to pick ways of solving the problems that match with your strengths. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is another thing that definitely came out of early conversations with um, my, my friends because they wanted to, they wanted their children to think about problems in that kind of way. Like, okay, if this thing is causing a problem for me. How do I, how can I get around this problem? Right. Or how can I overcome this problem with the skills and, that I have and stuff mm-hmm. that I have. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's people that's, come up with ingenious oh, yeah, ideas yeah, yeah. that you're like, I would have never thought of, you know, using this skill to be able to solve this problem. Like, mm-hmm. like I, how did this happen? I don't like, I wish I was in your brain, but, and then that's one of the fun things of the game. Right. And that's the kind of creative essence of like play to find out what happens for mm-hmm. me, which I, I, I like to go into a game as the GM, not knowing how on earth the players are going to get out of whatever situation they've <laughs> got themselves into or I've put mm-hmm. them in. Right. And I have no doubt that they will get out of it because they are awesome people with creative ideas and they have the tools in the game to, to do that. Um, and that goes for, I mean, any, just about any game that I play, to be honest, but it's definitely part of dinosaur princesses as well. Nice. And, and so I can already see how the collaboration comes into play. If you don't have all of the skills or enough skills, then maybe your friend does. Where do the obstacles come from? So the paleontologist has a obstacle pool of dice and they are, they're rolling an opposed, um, opposed roll against the person who's doing it. And they're almost always going to have more dice than the dinosaur princess who's trying to solve the problem. But then after the dinosaur princess, like calculates their dice and the, uh, paleontologist calculates their dice, the dinosaur princess will turn to their friends and say, will you help me? And then they will all say how they're going to help. Um, and if they can't think of a way to help, like they're really stuck, their words don't really seem to work for them, they can uh, cheer on. They can cheer the, the dinosaur princesses and, and oh. lend their moral support. And when they do that, they create a new word that everybody gets to use. So if you get stuck in a situation where you just, for whatever reason, you you made a character that you think is really cool, but you can't seem to do anything, there is a way to, to kind of, retroactively add to the game like new things for you to use um although i would say that if you made a character that just you couldn't didn't have any idea of how to work to work it then probably the paleontologist would let you like Mm -hmm. change out some of the words right in the standard kind of way like if you're just playing the game for the first time and so then with your friend's help you should generally succeed although (laughs) it's the dice are involved so you might not necessarily (laughs) and you've certainly had some play tests where yeah, where, where, the, I mean, the, where the dinosaur princesses are wearing are rolling like two times the amount of dice I am, and somehow I like keep mm-hmm. beating them, and I'm like, <laughs> this statistically doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I've like switched dice out. I've been like, okay, start rolling these ones, and I'll roll the ones you're doing. And still, I want these ones up for you. <laughs> uh, but then, I mean, that just happens with dice any which way. And then I'll use yeah. those same dice later when we're playing a game and I'm the player and they just keep failing me. And I'm like, oh. mm-hmm. yeah. 
They know. They know what they're doing. That's the way it goes. I don't think I don't think we've ever like the 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 numbers are such though that I've never had it. There are ways out of like what looks like it could be a spiral at times, right? There's mm-hmm. a there's a way to remove the the paleontologist dice. So if the paleontologist just ends up with too many dice or you just want to try and deal with some of the problems that you're having rather than trying to deal with the kind of overarching problem, then you can you can do that as well to make it easier for uh, yourselves as dinosaur princesses. So, yeah, there's an, I've never found there to be a, a dead end right, in that way, that if you're just rolling. Nice. I mean, if you just keep rolling ones, I guess. But statistically, <laughs> and statistically that will happen, I suppose. But I have mm-hmm. never had that happen in a playtest. And I always, I have the home rule that I use, whereas things get horrible and dire. I just, sometimes as a GM, will just smooth things over just a little bit. Because oh. like, I want everyone to have fun. And and if it's like, statistically, I shouldn't be winning all these roles. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going <laughs> to. Because I want every, especially in a game like Dinosaur Princesses, I want everyone to be having fun yep. and mm-hmm. some, some conflict with the story and, and some like having a struggle is good, but not when it's just depressing when it's like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be actually succeeding on some of these dice rolls yeah. where it's just like, because it's just the dice and you're like, and I guess that's a good lesson for like, new players and new GMs anyway. Sometimes oh. it, like if, if the table just isn't having fun with something, then change up what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the rules are not more important than the experience you're having. Exactly. Right. The rules are there to facilitate an experience. And if you're not having the right kind of experience, then tweak the rules or abandon the rules completely or get a whole different game. <laughs> I, I always play fast and loose to the rules in all my games. So that's my, that's my own like, personal thing <laughs> where with all games that I play, I'm like, do we really have to have XP? I feel like if we're I, playing D&D, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I do sometimes as well, in, but only in that I will often hack a game to do what I want it to do. If it's not mm-hmm. doing what I want it to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I I, when I run into this problem, dice purposes, it's totally because it's just ridiculous dice rolls that don't make sense. Or, or one of the ways that I can smooth it out is being like just reminding dinosaur the dinosaur princess the players that they can take actions to help reduce my die pool. Yeah, that's that's key. Um, which, or sometimes one of the ways I smooth it out isn't just mechanically, but like framing a scene mm-hmm. to help them then do the thing to reduce my dice pool yeah. in a way that they might not have been like explicitly. Oh wait, we need to do this thing. It's right. been like here's a story thing. Mm-hmm. Do the story mm-hmm. thing. Oh, look, the dice pool is smaller now. Thank you for doing the story thing. Right, um, and that, but that gets, a, the, yeah. that gets a, another like important point. Although this is a game of opposed dice rolls, it shouldn't be antagonistic. Yeah. Right? It's definitely also yeah. the power by the apocalypse. Like, Be a fan of the players. Be a fan of the characters. Mm-hmm. You you want them to solve the problem. You want them to be able to like get the satisfaction of overcoming the obstacles uh, to... to mm-hmm to get the satisfying feeling of having successfully solved the problem mm-hmm. at some kind of challenge. Yeah, I mean, and so it's, it's good when they, when they fail occasionally, yep. just not mm-hmm. every single time. Yep. Yep. I just had that one. Game. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> the stars were aligned bad. Oh, but the game was still so much fun though. Everyone had a great time. That was the one with the pterodactyl with the chainsaw arm and laser vision. Pterodactyls with chainsaw arms. Make it right it was, it was like, it was great because it really made everyone have to think about even more weird and unique ways of solving the problems that mm-hmm. they didn't think they would have to do. Like it was, it was still a really, really, even with like right. everyone, everyone was still really happy at the end. 
Yeah, I mean, when you when things go bad in Dinosaur Princesses, n- nobody dies. There's no. no death in the game. No, no. There's no violence in the game. I mean, I guess you could bring it in as an obstacle if you wanted, or in some way. Like, but that would be kind of unless you're playing that tone. But generally right, speaking, but this, it's that's not, not what the game is about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you are rolling really badly, what that means is that there are just more. Like the problem is more complicated than you thought. There's mm-hmm. more to overcome. Yeah. Um, it's not that. Yeah. It's not that you you lose. Right? Yeah. It's you like you don't lose. If if you're what you were trying to do was talk Granny Appleface uh, to lend you her rocking chair and you fail the roll, she would be like, "Oh no, you can have my rocking chair, but I need you to go to the store and get a pie from mm-hmm. me first. Mm-hmm. Like you're still doing something and you're never really failing. Right. Or maybe she doesn't let you use her rocking chair, but she lets you use something else. Or you, yeah. you like, okay, well we couldn't, we can't use her rocking chair to climb up to the thing. We have to find another way to do that. Mm-hmm. How might we do that? Yeah. Oh, maybe let's go get a ladder. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably safer. Yeah, it probably is safer. <laughs> Safety first, everyone. Yeah, cool. So, so we've talked a little bit then about like the the narrative and the story elements, and and how this is a low or no prep game. Uh, how how do players or the paleontologist or you know, how do they come up with the story pieces, or are there um, tools that you give them to work with? Yeah, the tools are mostly so there are samples, sample um, problems, and sample steps, which are the sort of intermediate steps on the way to the problem to solving the problem. Mm. But there are also lots of leading questions, and that's sort of the main way. And the way that in reality most of our playtests have gone, mm. like it's it's always good. This is this is again like the PTBA thing coming out, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. That give you want to give lists so that if somebody has like a brain freeze they're not like stuck, right? They can, Oh, well, I can't think of anything good. So let me pick this one from the list, which is, should be pretty good because the list should be good. Right. Mm -hmm. If you have good lists, then you have good sort of defaults. Um, but if they have a better idea and in reality, most of the times we play it, people have better ideas. Mm -hmm. And so they will, with the, the paleontologist asking a lot of questions at the start in what are sort of the, like the intro setup scenes, Mm -hmm. then, something will usually emerge, like a problem will usually emerge from that. And generally the, an entire kind of setting will emerge, right? Cause yeah. if you ask, okay, so you've made this punk, uh, artiste, where do you live? <laughs> like what, what do you do all day? And something out of this will usually come up. Right? The answer was in a, an abandoned mall. Oh yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> seems that good. Came, yeah. What do you do all day? Uh, they went through the various shops and, and made weird art things from stuff that was mm-hmm. left over. Uh, nice. Yeah. And went to school sometimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See, I imagine that that question would be answered, could be answered quite differently by different demographics yeah. Yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, my first thought was like zombies. <laughs> zombies? <laughs> zombies. They fight zombies all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. But if they were, they wouldn't be dying for the zombies. That we know. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. In mine, there was an art competition, like a public art yeah, competition. And we ended up doing this whole thing about like, gathering recycling and uh-huh. all in a big thing and then everyone recycled and as what every uh-huh. in town took the pieces out to recycle there was like a sculpture in the middle it was actually really cool it was mm-hmm. like the final oh. final result in the game um from from my part punk artiste there was also a socialite and a life coach in that in that game oh yeah, wow it was, it was a fun game and that is definitely the kind of combo that you would expect to see from adults playing it yeah all right with this they're slightly wacky mm-hmm. uh and, and slightly kind of i don't know uh, high concept maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about that. Like I did have the, um, 
Destroyer with a Poet's Heart was a princess type oh, yeah. once. That was the chainsaw arm pterodactyl. Uh, pterodactyl um, <laughs> Destroyer with a chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was really, it was really good. Part. I also had a, I can't remember now. It's but, a kind of robot, right? Yeah, I did have a robot, a robot, um, like e-game com- competitor, like uh, a, a gamer. E-sports. Yeah, <laughs> esports. It turned out there was a whole like um, gold mining farm thing happening in town uh, and their yeah. friend, their friend was missing. They're trying to find their friend, like everyone's friend and they, they followed the trail down and it was like everyone was being held captive. I guess it, it was slightly above G rating, <laughs> <laughs> having to like mine gold. Oh, this is really above G rating, just like a darker. Yeah, just slightly darker and, yeah. um, and rescued everyone. And, and that was a pretty yeah. funny one. Yeah. I forget what the other character was in that one. But see, I could imagine that happening in like, Guy oh, fitness coach. Like <laughs> sure. Yeah. Generally, I, I think of dinosaur princesses games very much like, uh, cartoons. Yeah, Saturday morning like, cartoon. Because they, because the it kind of feels about that length. You play mm-hmm. through by default a number of problems equal to the number of players. Mm-hmm. Um, so it puts a kind of finite, yeah, barring terrible rolling, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and relatively short mm-hmm. um, time frame on it, which feel which always gives the feel of about a sort of 30 minute cartoon. Yeah. Although because you're talking and having fun, that usually takes more like an hour and a half. Two yeah. hours. And it runs the gamut of like Saturday morning cartoons. Like you have like, you know, care bears styles story, which is be much more like soft and small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have like, you know, like the X-Men adventure Saturday morning mm-hmm. cartoon. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of run on a couple mm-hmm. different styles, but yeah, it all always comes back. And then I usually start the pitch when I have people coming down the tables, like this is like a Saturday morning cartoon. And, mm-hmm. and, Every, that keys everyone in. Every, everyone yeah. goes like, "Oh, I know what a Saturday morning cartoon is like." Mm-hmm. Um, even yeah. for people, even though we don't really have them, I think anymore. So I don't know how if it oh, works. Sure Are there? Do. do people watch TV on a TV? Stuff? Well, no, they probably yeah. Well, that's well, they're probably I mean, not Saturday morning cartoons. Not, not kids, yeah. probably. Yeah, they watch it yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, I guess it's, it's like a, it's oh, like a, a Netflix series episode <laughs> that you watch uh, <laughs> that you watch, you know, in the mornings <laughs> on your day off from school. I don't. I'm a little out of touch. Yeah, most of my friends are anything to go by. They watch, they just watch Big Hero Six like on repeat, a million times. So that's a really, that's a really good. I'm sure it is. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not casting aspersions on Big Hero Six by any means. Save your hate mail, Anthony. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like play reports for this game are like the best indicator of. It's so good. I just I just want to hear about everybody's characters. <laughs> Let's see. So Dinosaur Princesses is on Kickstarter right now. And when this episode airs, which will be soon, it will still be there. Yeah. How long is that until? November 14th. Wednesday, November 14th. Yeah. yeah. Wednesday, Perfect. November 14th. At 5 p.m. Eastern time. Yes. What should Is there anything we should know about the campaign? Um, we're, well, well, we, we have funded mm-hmm. um, and we're heading towards... Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, the first stretch goal is some more art. The art is, uh, is someone I met actually, um, at a convention who uh, showed me their portfolio mm-hmm. afterwards. And I was like, mm-hmm. this, this looks cool. This is a good kind of style. I mean, you, you can see some examples of that on the Kickstarter page and we're going mm-hmm. to be, um, I'm showing some more off various times on Twitter and I'm going to do some kind of, um, backer update with some more solid mm-hmm. information on that as well. And so when you, oh, that's the other thing we haven't talked about, uh, all of the art is coloring book style. So the book is a coloring book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's, there's different dimensions of coloring. Yeah. So, well, so the book itself, you can color within, it has the coloring 
line line art for coloring. And then we'll also be providing PDFs of the same art. So if you don't want to color in your book or you really liked coloring that one image, you want to color it again, mm -hmm. or you have a bunch of people or little ones who all want to color something and you only have the one book, mm -hmm. um, those will be available as PDFs. Um, yeah, as a so bundle you, with the thing. You'll be able to print those all off in letter sized format. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you can, they can just yeah. be easily printed at home as many as you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, the first stretch goal will add some more uh, art to that PDF that won't be in the book, um, but it'll be in that sort of that printable file. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess in some of the others, most of the stretch goals are more art. We have some writing things that are not yet announced that involve kind of settings uh alternate setting things or setting suggestions mm -hmm. um which i'm really excited about mm -hmm. uh, especially one about both of them but <laughs> um, <laughs> talking about roller derby yeah uh it's dino derby okay like, yes like roller derby with with dinosaurs we have a friend that does roller derby and has some friends who also do roller derby who do art and so we're going to collaborate with them um theoretically uh, if we get to that stretch goal, yeah, uh, which is yet unannounced. So, yeah. so here's the announcement. Probably Ooh. heard it first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, though it might already be online, but tennis comes out. But yeah, I'm really excited <laughs> about that. And um, yeah, we have like, some other, so mostly art, some writing um, in terms of stretch goals. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of levels where if you want uh, Dana and I to color in a page, uh, then we will do that. Mm -hmm. uh, not very many because I don't want to color in too many pages. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to wear out our hands. But those, um, are, those are options. Yeah, and they also have, those are the only options where you can get the exclu exclusive custom Dinosaur Princess dice. Um, uh, Dana oh. designed a very cool little Dinosaur Princesses logo. I mean, um, it's, it's using the art of J-Wall. Yeah. Um, but I took the, their art and made it into a logo that's on the dice, um, and that's, only on the two upper level tiers, um, mm. the Allosaurus Artist and the Velociraptor Ventriloquist. Oh, very cool. Yeah, but generally the Kickstarter is pretty simple. It doesn't really need too much uh, explanation. There's not like a whole host of different options. Um, mm -hmm. The main ones are there's a digital level and a, and a, a print level, uh, mm -hmm. and the print level is fulfilled through DriveThruRPG, so you, uh, you you'll pay for shipping later. Yeah. Um, and that's basically it. And then there's a couple of other tweaks on that, but nothing like too super complicated. There is a little chart, uh, which makes the not very complicated system should be even easier. Uh, but the point was just to make a relatively simple kind mm -hmm. of, um, and relatively quick. I think the whole thing is only running for like 24 days or something. Total is like less than a month. Yeah. I was originally thinking I might do it for two weeks, but Dana was like, oh, only a few longer. Yeah, no, I wanted it to be longer. <laughs> um, awesome. Dana wanted more of the Kickstarter experience. Yeah, because I never, I never went on this yeah. side of a Kickstarter before, so it's very exciting. And speaking of, one of the things I most love about the Kickstarter is the Kickstarter video. Oh, yeah. It makes me so happy. If you haven't gone to it, go watch it. I mean, and I know that's a big ask because, like, I never watch Kickstarter videos because I tend to find them really boring. And so when I uh, designed this video, I wanted it to be very quick and very fun. So it's only 42 seconds long, which was longer than Excellent. I originally planned. I was going to yeah. do 30 seconds. Um, but it, there's not a lot of talking in it. It's it's more about giving you the feeling of the game. Um, and it's really fun. And, um, like, we had one of our friends do the acting in the voiceover and we had some of our other friends at Playmail Games do a composed musical piece for it and 
Yeah, and the music that they they composed for it is fits is, so well. So it fits super well. So yeah, yeah, definitely check out Play Mail Games yeah. if you want cool sound stuff. And and awesome. watch people out there watch the video yeah, and then the like <laughs> let us know what you think because I I adore it. I think <laughs> it, is, it is very cool. I spent some very 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 long hours editing it for how short it is, but still cool. I know what I'm doing uh, when we're done here <laughs> for the next forty two seconds. <laughs> Is there anything else that we should know about the game? You look, no, yeah. you look like you're about to say something. No, else. just that it's it's a fun game and everyone should play it. And um, and people should should definitely for people who haven't run games before, like give it a go. It's it's really it's really really accessible to new GMs. Like especially if you've already played it once, um, it's pretty easy to see that it's easy to follow along. And you'd played one game before you started running it, or two games. Two because two I played games. the one at Metatopia and then the um, dire one that we yeah. we played we played a very R it was an R rated okay <laughs> <laughs> it was a very fun game with some friends um, but anyway yeah I played it twice before and then I was like I want to play this more um, and that's that's when yeah, I started doing it, it. Wasn't so R-rated. no it wasn't R rated uh, PG thirteen I guess I don't know it was just. <laughs> Dark. It was just very it was, dark. It was, it was very, very dark. dark it was very dark, and it made Hamish very sad. But all the rest of us had a lot of fun. Oh, I mean, it was fun. It was just like I, I wrote this kid's game, and then we played this super dark thing. I, yeah. yeah, it was. It was good. But it's, it's. I mean, it's flexible. Yeah, I played. I played a platypus zookeeper in that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So that's the main thing is, um, it's it's accessible to new players. It's also very accessible to new GMs, and I just want to encourage people who've been thinking about maybe trying to run a game on their own sometime to, to try out dinosaur princesses. Cause it's a good stepping stone into, into that role. Awesome. I think we need more of that. So yeah. thank you. All right. And then where can heroes find you and your games online? So you can find dinosaur princesses at the Kickstarter right now. Um, if you're listening to this like long after, uh, you can search for Arden's Luteray on Drive Through RPG or go to Arden's.org. That's A R D E N S dot O R G. I'm also on Twitter as Peregrine Kiwi uh, and Arden's Luteray also on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and I'm on Twitter as at Day the Elf. Um, so two E's in there. And that's mostly where I do my public facing game stuff. I also post a lot of pictures of cats. It's true. Which shouldn't <laughs> surprise anyone. Good retweet. Yeah, but um, as far as like buying our games, drive through RPG mm-hmm. is where we do most of our fulfillment or IPR, I guess. Yeah, IPR also has. I don't know if IPR is going to have dinosaur princesses, but it might. We haven't discussed that yet. Mm-hmm. It definitely has the scroll. Uh, but yeah, you can find all of the links to those things on rdns.org. Mm-hmm. So cool. cool. And we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. Thank you both so much for doing this. No, thank you. Thanks again to Dana and Hamish for being on and check out their links in the show notes. And then tell us all about your dinosaur princesses. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. 
Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>